Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's happening, Archons? You're listening to yet another episode of Help from Future Self, the casual KeyForge podcast listened to all over the world by KeyForge friends. I myself am Scuzzy Gruen. You can call me Alex. And I am joined by my KeyForge pals, the guys I play KeyForge with every single week. I got the wheeling KeyForger Rick to my left. Hey, what's up? And I got Coach Boulevard Paper Fight. We call him Blake to my right. Yo. Gentlemen, we are recording an episode slightly ahead of time, and it's probably important for the uh, folks out there listening to know that we recorded this a couple of weeks ahead of time because Blake is going out of town. He's going to merry old England to uh, see the countryside, check out a little bit of France, see some football games. Very exciting for him. So we're just stocking up a little bit ahead of time. So if there's been any crazy developments in the world of Keyforge, like, say, that big one they've been teasing with Dr. Richard Garfield, we will not be able to comment on that until next week's episode. So we're speaking to you from the distant past, but we still have lots of Keyforge talk to get onto. So why don't we get right to it? Are you guys down? down. Yeah. All right. Starting things off... I wanted to start things off with the question of uh, spoilers because there's been so many spoilers for Worlds Collide. Just just so many cards that have come about over the course of the last couple of months since the set was first announced. Just a quick temperature check with you guys. Yes or no? Do you think it's too many spoilers? Do you think it's at running the risk of actually taking away from your enjoyment of the new set and discovering it without the entire card set being known to you? For me, um, I tend to have short-term memory issues so even if i've seen the spoilers until they're actually in my hand and i'm playing with them i don't know how they're going to turn out so i'm excited to see them now how i think they're going to turn out but until i play them i won't know how they actually are and how about yourself blake I don't think it's too much uh, simply because it's helping fuel my excitement for the new set coming out and as much as it's great to see the cards individually as they are i think you don't truly appreciate a keyforge card until you see it in the deck and the other things that could potentially work with or work against uh with other cards in the deck so it's that discovery of lines of play and you need to have that full deck to truly see that i mean we can all hypothetically say oh this with this is going to do this and be great or broken but what are the? Ch- there may be something in the algorithm that says those two things are not going to appear together, or if they do, it's super rare. You know things like that. So yeah. until you actually see the full composition of the deck, I don't think seeing individual cards bit by bit matter as much. How about you, Alex? Um, I'm getting to the point where I've kind of stopped being super psyched about spoilers. Partially, it's just because every time I see one, I'm like, oh, that's super cool, and then I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get to play with this for a while, and that's kind of a bummer. But, you know, I'm not against spoilers. In fact, one of the things that we wanted to do was talk a little bit about some more recently spoiled cards that we're excited or interested in. And so we all picked one out just as a way to start off some conversation this week. Uh, Gentlemen, have you each got a card picked out? I do. Yep. All right, Rick, why don't we start with you? What's a new spoiled Worlds Collide card that you are interested to play with? Actually, Blake gave this one to me because I had missed it somehow. But it is a untamed card. Moor Wolf, two power skirmish, no armor, playability, ready each other wolf. And Blake was telling me that it's a, apparently supposed to be like the plague rat. So there's going to be a number of them in the in the deck. I myself cannot wait to play with them because they're in my favorite house. 
Yeah, when I when I saw that card, I, I I literally thought of you right away. I was like, this feels like a Rick card if I've ever seen one. <laughs> so basically, you get those pack tactics going on. Yep. What about yourself, Blake? So uh, for me, this was, um, I first heard about this. I think it might have been out for a bit, but I first heard about it on Archon's Corner the other week. And uh, when Wookie and Z were talking about uh, the potential for this in relation to something else, and it's called Compsus Haraspex. And it's a Saurian creature, and it has four power, no armor, and it's a dinosaur priest. And the text of it says... Each friendly creature's play effect is a play slash reap effect. And just the thought of how many cards that have enter play and can do things is it's just mind boggling, especially if you think of Star Alliance, all these play abilities they have and whatnot. Just so many things that have great play abilities that now you can use as a reap ability after it's taken effect, which is just going to be just bonkers, I think. That is absolutely insane, especially when you think about like steel play effects. Yeah. So suddenly not only is your, you know, just to just I'm using the names of these cards very generally. Um, I don't know if they're going to be in the set, but like now your urchin isn't just an urchin. It's also, you know, uh, a Yahtzee gang. That's How awesome. Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ronnie. The they have seven Ember. Wow. Now, whether or not those cards are going to show up in the set, we do not yet know, but it will be very interesting to see what will take advantage of that effect. A very cool card. Here's one that I wasn't expecting to quite get jazzed about, um, largely because, well, I'll get into it. It's Medic Ingram is the three-power human creature uh, in Star Alliance, and it has a play-fight reap effect. You may heal three damage from a creature and ward it. Now, when you heal in Keyforge, it's generally not a thing that I care about at all. Um, yeah, sometimes it'll allow you to keep a big body on the table for a little bit longer, but, like, the whole fact of the matter is that anything that can take three points of damage and not be destroyed anyway probably doesn't need the heal effect to get the maximum amount of use out of it anyway. For me, this is the warding effect that I think is super interesting. Just every time you use Medic Ingram for anything, you get to say, one of my other creatures does not die if it gets killed. I yep. think that's super cool. So it's not just the, I play this once and I get that effect. It's not the, I get to reap and cause that effect. It is no matter what you do with Medic Ingram, somebody gets warded, and I like that a lot. I think it's very cool. I think it's going to be an underrated card when it first comes out and is going to help a lot of cards maintain board that might not otherwise have had the opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love the art on it as well. Super cute. Very much so. Very much so indeed. So we're going to move on to uh, our one of our regular uh, features here on help from future self. This one is called would you rather. And so would you rather is a very, very, very basic game where uh, one of us propositions the other and says, there are two cards that I want you to make a decision about. And the decision is, which would you rather have in your deck? And of course we don't specify any other cards that are in the deck. So, you know, it depends is always going to be a slightly acceptable answer, but I want <laughs> people to just swing from the hip when we say these ones and figure out what they like. So we'll start off uh, and I'll put it to you. Which would you rather have gentlemen? Would you rather have fertility chant or swindle? So first things first, fertility chant is a uh, action in house untamed. And what it says is, you get four amber. It's got four pips of amber on it. And when you play it, your opponent gets two amber. So it's an obvious, you know, 
I am going to get twice as much amber from playing this as my opponent, and that's a huge stack of amber, but my opponent also gets two. So that's the value proposition there. Swindle, on the other hand, a very different card because what Swindle says is it is a shadow's action. It is both alpha and omega, meaning that you have to play it first, and when you play it, your turn is over, and it says steal three. So let me put it to you, Blake. Which would you rather have in your deck? Swindle or Fertility Chant? First off, Alex, I'd like to say great card selection because essentially at the end of the day, it's the same thing between the two cards. And that's six ember has has swing has occurred because one is you're gaining four and the other one's gaining two. The other one's you're stealing three and they're losing three. So great choice for uh, for card would you rather. Now, you gents are probably going to find this a little bit odd, but I have never, ever played Fertility Chant. What? I own 182 what? decks, and I don't have a single deck that has a fertility chant in it. That's outrageous. Wow. <laughs> so, on that basis, I could only speculate on the power of it. So, I'm actually just going to say Swindle because I use Swindle all the time, and I love the effect of it. My favorite time to play it is, of course, when my opponent is in check, and I have three or four Ember, and I'm taking them off of check and putting myself in check. To me, that is the most idealized time to play it. Yeah, it is. And that's why I, I think the card is fantastic. And the reason why I'm choosing it over Fertility Chant is because your opponent could be in a situation where they're on four Ember. So you playing that card may put you in check, but you're also putting your opponent in check. So therefore, that drawback um, really kind of takes the card down a peg or two for me because I was actually playing a game on the weekend when I had a Scuzzy Gruen. And uh, guess what? I wasn't able to play it sometimes because I would have put my opponent in check and I had no way of taking them off. So it ended up being a card in my hand that I had to decide to discard or not call untamed that turn. And it felt really bad. So uh, swindle all the way for me. I'm I'm a swindler. What can I say? You know what? If I ever watch you discard a fuzzy Gruen, I'm coming across the table at you. (laughs) It's not going to be pretty. I didn't Mm -hmm. discard it. I did have a Soldiers to Flowers too, but I still didn't discard it. I just waited and played it another turn. (laughs) Attaboy. Attaboy. Rick. What's your pick, Swindle or Fertility Chant? I'm going to take the easy road, and then I'm going to elaborate. But, uh, yeah, it depends on board state, key state. It depends on a lot of things. But if, like Blake said, they're close to a key and you're not, Swindle's going to take it for me. But if neither of us, if it's at the beginning of the game, I'm going to take Fertility Chant every time. I thought you'd for sure be Fertility Chant because it's untamed and you just get that ember and you, and everyone knows you're an untamed guy. Well, true, but I mean, it it depends on the situation in the game. Famous the world over as an untamed guy. Very true. Yep. Uh, gentlemen, I say Fertility Chant and I'll tell you why. It is very true that Fertility Chant, uh, you can have it in hand in a scenario when it does not help you. you the cases where it's going to put your opponent onto a key, that is 100% absolutely a possibility. It is also fair to say that there are tons of scenarios in which you will not get the maximum amount of value out of Swindle. Maybe your opponent doesn't have any Amber to steal. And then it's just a dead card sitting in your hand that you can't play because it's going to Alpha Omega your turn. So the reason that I pick Fertility Chant is that there is a great deal of flexibility over what you can do after the fact. So 
essentially, if you play Fertility Chant, you still have a whole other turn in which to do other effects, to put down other untamed cards, and to use other untamed cards that you have on the table to do things like control the board, perhaps do a little bit of Amber Control if you have a Rite of Balance or another similar card. Uh, maybe it lets you get an Amber Spine Mongrel out, which also allows you to take advantage of your opponent's reaping as if it was your own. I really dislike with Swindle, although the power of it is obvious, the fact that it is basically saying, this is all I am doing. It is the one action I get to take, and I am deploying it to take my opponent down and put myself up. So that's kind of where I fall on it. I just like the flexibility that a Fertility Chant, I don't like having only one action per turn. It was kind of the reason why I prefer Fertility Chant to Treasure Map. You know, it, it just is what it is. So... You know, I, I see the value of both cards. I use both cards all the time in various different decks. That's just the way this one goes. Ooh. See, for me, I find that interesting because if you're on key three and you're holding a fertility chance and you could put them in check, it's still a dead card. I mean, I'm not going to argue that it's not ever a dead card, but there are so few cards in Key Forge that aren't a dead card. I mean, Virtuous Works, Mimicry, those are the two I can think of. And even then, Mimicry, if your opponent doesn't have anything in their discard, it's a dead card. Yeah, fair. You know? Every card's okay. a, dis a dead card sometimes. All right, gents, let's move on to another topic. I want to talk a little bit about tokens in Keyforge, and this is going to be a twofold topic. I want to talk a little bit about the tokens that we use for gameplay, the ones that we like to use, and uh, you know what we'd like to see in a token set. Um, and I would also like to talk about the tokens that we have coming up in the new set, Worlds Collide. Let's start things off. Gentlemen, what kind of tokens are you using right now when you play Keyforge, Rick? I'm using some that uh, a buddy of ours that now just plays casually, so we don't see him very often anymore, made. And then I'm just basically using the starter kit tokens. Right on. What about yourself, Blake? I started just using the starter kit tokens. And uh, there's a few reasons for that. Partly... I didn't really like some of the tokens I saw online, but I happened to come second place in a sealed tournament at Nova and I won a bunch of acrylic ember. And I have to say it kind of switched my tone a little bit. And I know I'm going to be grabbing some uh, metal keys when I go to the vault tour in Vegas uh, in pretty much a week and a bit from when you're hearing this episode. So that is uh, an exciting prospect, and it's making me... I actually have a browser open, oddly enough, looking at tokens, because I actually want to find more of these Ember, and then maybe look for some potential other ones too. But I'm also toying with the idea of, what if we created our own tokens and found a distributor who could do some acrylic stuff? That's an idea that's crossing my mind right now, that maybe we need to have a further discussion over uh, some beers and drinks, gents. Some HFFS swag. Yes, you like exactly. that idea, Rick? I do. Yeah, I do too. Um, I use tokens that are made by a maker on Etsy called Daydream Gaming. Um, I bought them basically when I first got my starter set and I punched out all the cardboard tokens and then I, it was still at the time when they had stun cards and power cards and I could not stand the use of cards and I wanted something else to indicate stun and power, but I also wanted it to match my amber and other stuff. So I ordered just a whole set of tokens from this maker and I got to say, I really love them. One of the things that I think is really interesting about Keyforge is that because there is no customization when it comes to your deck, you don't get to build it. You just have to play the deck as it came out of the package. The other way that you express yourself beyond just deck selection from your collection is in what accessories you use. What kind of sleeves do you like? What colors do you use for your sleeve? What kind of deck box are you rocking? And also, 
what kind of tokens do you use? Are you a pragmatist like my two co-hosts? Do you like to just use the ones that come right out of the starter kit because they do the job they were designed for? Are you uh, a f- person who wants those super deluxe gold-plated keys that exist out there? Are you one of those folks who makes their own custom solution out of different crafts that they brought about? I think that that's a super interesting choice, and I really like what it says about every player and the fact that it's a way to add sort of a little personality to yourself as a Keyforge player. So now that we've kind of established our position on the existing tokens that exist out there, both the ones that are provided to us by Fantasy Flight Games and the ones that have been made by lots of industrious people out there who want to uh, give people the opportunity to spice up or upgrade their collection, uh, express themselves a little bit, I wanted to ask you guys... Is there a danger of Keyforge where we're going to start to have too many tokens that we have to take with us and that we're going to have to keep track of during games? And the reason I asked that is asked that is because Worlds Collide has two separate mechanics that require a separate style of token. We've got Enrage tokens and we've got Ward tokens. And because the nature of those effects has to be distinct from Exalted, we can't just use Amber for it. And you don't want to, of course, use damage or any of the other style of token that already exists to represent those things. Like you could sort of get away with with the doom counters that uh, were in the uh, Age of Ascension. So the question is, is is too many tokens a possibility? Are we creating too much bookkeeping? Is it going to be hard to keep track of what every token does? Are we just introducing cases where people are going to have to bring more and more and more stuff with them in order to work each mechanic? Blake, what do you think? I definitely think that, well, a, a greater topic that this is stemming from as well is the board state is going to become so much more complex in this state in this next set because you're going to have so many more mm-hmm. things that that are going to be occurring and the tokens are obviously going to be helpful and it i think if we stop here it could be okay and for all we know that they they may end up seeing this happen and decide okay we're going to kind of phase out in the following set some of these things but who knows uh it could i i hope it doesn't keep growing because I think you're right that it will become too much. This is the first game I've played that has things beyond just dice as a as a counter. So it is it is for me already a lot of stuff that I'm lugging around that I didn't have to before. And I'm already at the point where the case that I'm using to to transport things is maybe not gonna quite cut it, especially if we start adding these these new tokens to the mix. So I think we are on the brink of maybe being a little bit too much and a little bit overly complicating the whole process of of playing the game and having all these things to take on and off. And it's going to slow down gameplay as well because you're constantly moving things on and off. So I'm hoping that we're going to be kind of stopping after this or maybe we'll come up with some sort of shorthand way of indicating the card as one thing or another, which may be one of the things that people start doing and hopefully it becomes tournament allowed so yeah i'd have to say that i don't think we have too much but i think we're we're really we're really pushing that limit of what is too much fair position what about yourself rick do we have uh too many tokens already is more going to be a-okay with you uh where do you fall on the token talk uh i'm at the point now where i think we're already starting to get too many um with the two new ones coming in with the next set will be at at my limit, I would say. Um, I did want to throw in, though, that the new swag that's coming out from Game Genic with the vault and the book, they're, they're out now. 
and they're available to be bought. And I'm excited to get one of those. But um, yeah, as far as the tokens go, I I think we have enough. And with the with the these new two these new two tokens coming out, we're gonna be at, at the brink for me. And I I hope I hope that they like like they're phasing out houses. I hope they phase out mechanics so that we're bringing less and less again. Because I only I only actually have so much space that I can actually use to bring things. You both bring up the idea of phasing out mechanics. And, you know, I, I think it, within the realm of, uh, you know, sort of exalted and uh, warding, etc., that's absolutely a case where they could phase out a mechanic like that. Do you ever see, uh, like, an even more, like, raw basic mechanic, like, say, stealing getting phased out? This is a little bit separate from the token talk, but I just want to explore it since we came up with sort of this this impromptu idea of, you know, uh, a mechanic coming in or out. Do you ever think that becomes... I actually don't think that's possible. That specific mechanic, because I think that makes the set almost unplayable unless you do something that's similar like maybe instead of steal it's just lose but i mean you just make that set less desirable because people are going to play the old sets that have steel because that's essentially whatever the number is you times that by two because they're losing and i'm gaining yep so i think if that disappeared it would cause an uproar to say the least all right what about capture let's 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 leave aside steel let's say capture could you ever see them phasing out a mechanic like that I can't recall off the top of my head if there's any cards from the new set that have capture. I assume there must be. There's got to be a few somewhere. But I know Exalted exists, which is kind of like a capture in a way, except you're not in control of them taking it. You're you're doing it yourself. So, I mean, I don't see it out of the realm of possibility. I think that the Alpha and Omega is almost disappearing in this new set. If I'm not mistaken, I saw a thing today that some of the cards, like there's not very many that are that are coming back in this new one. So maybe they are looking to change a few things and experiment with different things and and see how it goes and just kind of pivot from there. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all, but I think there's certain key initial mechanics that have existed that will probably always exist. I think it's maybe more some of the new ones that we see that could that could go like I could definitely see something like ward maybe not make it past this or even exalted for example maybe maybe this is the only set that has exalted who knows like i could see something like that but it's really hard to say i think because we don't know the mind like we're we're we're, tr- we're purely speculating obviously yeah but but it's just too hard to say and it's more like how will people react taking away something that has been a, a cornerstone of the game for so long and and essentially not replacing it with something that is of somewhat equal equivalent, I guess Mm -hmm. that's going to, that's going to provide the same attribute that you want to have in your gameplay, especially when it comes to Ember control. Cause I mean, I feel like most people are somewhat like, yeah, AOA really dropped the ball on having that access to Ember control in a lot of the decks, like your ability to have a deck that has a substantial amount of Ember control that most players are looking for was far less than in the call of the archons. And if you start taking away some of those game mechanics that people rely on and feel is a the cornerstone to what make their deck or a deck uh, very competitive or playable in most arenas, that could really cause some, uh, some I guess, friction between the community and the, the creators. I will ad- say and admit that uh, from what I remember seeing in Worlds Collide spoilers, just like there was a lot of repaint in 
AOA, there's a lot of steel hate or a fair amount of steel hate in Worlds Collide. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think that's a great way of adjusting a mechanic. Like, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Alex, what are your thoughts? Honestly, I feel like I don't want to see any more tokens. I really, really feel like we've hit that point where partially it's also a function of the fact that, uh, you know, I'm not an organized person. I just dump my tokens out on the table and then have to, like, filter through. But it's also partially a function of the fact that I like having second uh, secondary market tokens. And to the credit of FFG, they're providing you with the option of not having to buy a starter set to get the new tokens. You can buy what they're calling a deluxe Worlds Collide deck that's going to come with additional tokens. So it's literally the one-stop shop for if you want to start playing the game, you buy that set and it also comes with tokens without you having to buy a starter set. I think that's super cool. It's a good vector to get those out there. But, you know, at a certain point, I'm like, guys, every mechanic you introduce complicates the game. And because nothing ever rotates out, we're potentially going to have these games where everybody is constantly going to have to be like stare at the opponent's board trying to suss out what every each individual token is. And there's going to be a point where we're going to run out of colors and designs and other things that are actually going to be useful for differentiating between those different mechanics. And things are going to get even more confusing than they are now when we already have, you know, basically an open market for anybody to use whatever they want to represent an individual effect within the game. I mean, the basic rule in Keyforge is as long as both players agree to it, you can use whatever tokens you want. Mm -hmm. So... it worries me slightly. And I would really like to see them move towards some mechanics that are like uh, Exalted that use tokens and effects that already exist within the game. Like you said, Exalted is kind of like Capture. We already understand what happens when there is a piece of amber sitting on a creature and what the potential impact on the game is. So my hope would be that going forward, we're going to have fewer uh, new uh, effects that rely upon tokens to represent them and more new effects if they have to introduce them that rely on previously existing uh, tokens and, uh, you know, sort of things that we already understand the way they work within the context of the game. Does that make sense, guys? Yep. Yeah, because you mean like stuff like Deploy or Alpha Omega that don't require a token. It's just a new mechanic that exists. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to everybody's favorite segment. We call this one Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. This one is mine. Um, I lost a game this week because I was not paying attention to my artifact line. Always pay attention to your artifact line. It is so easy to forget your artifacts are there if you're obsessing about the uh, state of the board because you're looking at your creatures and you're looking at your opponent's creatures and you're seeing your opponent's artifacts I lost a game because I forgot that I had a Screech Bomb sitting right in front of me that I could have used. That is literally a thing that happened to me in a game of Keyforge this week. And it's just because I wasn't paying attention to the entirety of my board state. So I guess the broader idea here is your board state is not just the creatures you have. It is the state of the creatures. Everything in front of you. Exactly. Your artifacts, your opponent's creatures your opponent's artifacts, and also even to stretch that out a little bit further, knowing what you still have to come in your deck that's going to affect your board state going forward. Yep. I have to say, Alex, that it feels like you and I both have uh, had these plays where our awareness inhibited our ability to succeed, which is really unfortunate. Well, 
that's going to wrap it up for today, gents. And uh, appreciate uh, everyone tuning in. You can find us on social media on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. And you can also uh, choose to donate if you so desire through Patreon. And it's patreon.com slash HFFS Podcast. And uh, Rick, where can people find you online? I'm on The Crucible at Rickster78. Come play me anytime. And I'm on Twitter at The Wheeling Keyforger. And you can find me online on Twitter at BLVD Paperfight. And I'm contributing to Archon's Corner, one of the best resources for Keyforge content all in one place. I'm doing articles. We got Twitch streaming on there as well as other Keyforge content that you may want to look into, including other podcasts. And uh, my man, Alex, where can people find you online? You can find me at Scuzzy Gruen on The Crucible, on Instagram, and on Twitter. All right, then. So that's going to wrap it up for today. Until next time, stay forging. <laughs>